Welcome to Exploring Axon, a podcast where we discuss Axon Framework, Axon Server, and their ecosystem. I am your host and the producer of this podcast, Sarah Tori. My guest today is Laurent Toulon from the company Locala. Laurent is a software engineer and architect who has been working with event sourcing for the past five years and has gained some great insights in the process. He shared his experiences of designing systems and applications through the processes of event modeling, communication with the business side, and more. I hope you enjoy this conversation and let's have a listen. Hi, Laurent. Thank you so much for being here today and uh, sharing some amazing uh, information and some of your experiences with me. So before we get to one of my favorite topics, which uh, is going to be the topic of today, tell everybody about yourself, where you are, what you do, a little bit about your background, if you like. So the floor Uh is yours. (laughs) <laughs> sure. Thank you, Sarah. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, so my name is uh, is Laurent. Um, I'm an engineer, let's say, uh, most uh, classical one. Uh, okay. I have like uh, a bit uh, over, I don't know. Oh, it's been a while, actually. 15 years of experience now. <laughs> okay. So we can say you're a seasoned engineer, okay? Yeah, I'm a seasoned engineer. Um, And yeah, I've been uh, working on uh, very different things now since since I started. Uh, I started as a PHP developer, uh, working mostly on on web applications. Mm -hmm. And I changed company and once. Like I changed once company and okay. now I'm still in the same company. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but uh, the, the tasks I've been working on are, are very different because, uh, well, I'm not working on, uh, on PHP anymore. I, I'm working mostly with uh, JVM technologies, uh, mm-hmm. mostly Java, uh, but more and more Kotlin. Uh, okay, nice. And, uh, and yeah, in 2017, I started working with, uh, uh, let's say my uh, my favorite uh, technology uh, nowadays, uh, which is uh, event sourcing uh, awesome. and everything that is around it. Very good. Uh, so yeah, and I'm working in a company uh, named Locala. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, it's a company uh, that is uh, based. Uh, uh, well, it has its HQ in Paris, uh, but we are a lot also in the US. Uh, and I personally. Uh, I'm uh, in the south of France, uh, in a, let's say a, another office of the company. Very but good. But we are really all, all around the world. Nice, yeah. So kind of similar to how we are in Axon, we kind of spread out, uh, which is which is cool. Yeah. Um, nice. Well, thank you for for the introduction. So um, the the topic that I'm really uh, usually drawn to is the topic of. Um, event modeling and the architecture of a system. So, or systems sometimes. So uh, we're gonna focus on that today a little bit. Um, and we will of course talk about event source systems uh, for for clarity here. <laughs> so um, let's maybe start with the discovery mode be, because a lot of times when folks start talking about, hey, let's um, maybe give a system sort of an um, upgraded version of itself or maybe start a new system or start a new application. Uh, a lot of times that's the, the main big question mark. Where do we begin? How do we start it? How do we uh, model it? And what is the architecture going to be like? So 
kind of walk me through your process a little bit. Do you start with uh, answering the question of, hey, what are we thinking about the architecture of this system? Or do you think about, uh, let's go ahead into full force event modeling session and then see what we get out of it and then go from there? So what would be your first step? Well, I, I would say, rather. Yeah, yeah, I would say neither of those. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Great. I like that answer. <laughs> so then give me your first step. <laughs> well, first step is understanding uh, the needs, uh, the of business course. needs. And yeah. mm-hmm. uh, I think that's the most important step is to make sure that everyone is aligned on where we want to go, what we want to do. And so to do so, there is, well, first a lot of, talking, exchanging information, asking questions. And then, indeed, we can move on to, let's say, the designing parts. So either we're working on something we already know and we have already done some work on this. So generally, there is a a part where we're going to study what is currently existing. Uh, But if we're working on something completely new, well, depending on where it's going to be integrated, Uh, we are going to do some kind of design session where we are going to uh, first have a a global overview. Well, well, I'm going to talk from a technical perspective here because uh, that's the part that I'm in charge of. Uh, But yeah, we're going to work on a global overview of the architecture, see how we see the various uh, applications slash domains interact with each other. So we are going to start defining these. Uh, and we the first thing that we are going to present to the team is really um, an architectural model uh, of uh, the various applications interacting with each other and pointing in there the various responsibilities of each part. And so deducing uh, the domains from uh, from these, and all this is based on the the business information that we are going to uh, to get in the talking sessions before that. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned that because um, everything basically depends on the on the domain, right? The the problem at hand, which is um, usually is a business problem. There are times that it is a technical problem. You you figure it out on the technical side, but when it comes to um, designing a system, a lot of times you're trying to figure out the answers to some kind of business question, right? And then you involve them to to find out what's the best way to approach. So that's really great that you mentioned that. So once you have then decided on the architecture of uh, your systems, and then from then I'm assuming you uh, kind of go into the groups that are going to take care of each aspect of this uh bigger system or systems, if you if you would, or applications that might be uh, interacting with each other or talking to each other or what have you. So when then your event modeling session happens, does it happen kind of through what you were explaining to me with the conversations with the business side, or does it happen after you define what is the architecture is going to be like? Um, well... It depends. I'm going to answer. <laughs> I love that answer. Uh, yeah. I was. I have to make a parenthesis here. I was talking to one of my colleagues yesterday who is not on the technical side, and he asked me something, and I said, it depends. And then he just starts laughing. He goes, since I started working with technical folks, I've noticed this is the favorite answer I always get. <laughs> like, yes, it is. 
Yeah, th th there is not one answer to everything. Of it really depends on, on the context. Sure. But yeah, most of the time, those are kind of intertwined. It depends on what information we need at what moment. Like we're not in a, um, in a process that is, um, let's say, not elastic or not flexible. Uh, right. We are trying to be as flexible as possible. So we are trying to answer the questions as they come. So that's why I'm saying it depends. Sometimes we're going to have a, a good view on the domain. So we're first going to have to define uh, the architectural uh, part, but sometimes we're going to start by actually defining the domain uh, through event modeling. The thing is that we don't really uh, do event modeling the way I would like us to do it, mm -hmm. uh, but also, because, well, we probably didn't need a full-fledged uh, event modeling session either. Uh, it's, it's, it's most of the time being a technical uh, part, the event modeling. I, at first, I started uh, trying to integrate uh, the product managers, the product designers, etc. cetera. Uh, but it didn't last because they didn't, uh, I don't know how to say it, but yeah, they didn't really grasp uh, the benefits for them. However, right. we did on the technical side, see the, the, the potential of this, so we kept it. Um, and the advice I would say is that, and what we didn't do, uh, I guess on our end, is that we, we didn't, um, we didn't help the business side uh, increase their, their knowledge with those methodologies, uh, everything that is related to domain-driven design, etc. It's not only something that is technical. It's something that needs to be understood by everyone. And as we didn't do uh, this step, they didn't really grasp the importance of it. And so we did how we could with this. Right. Yeah, makes sense. So um, in, in a sense, sometimes would you say then the business side uh, does not need to be involved? Do you think uh, you still get the benefits as long as you have an understanding or maybe a general understanding what your model is going to be like to do this event modeling session without having, um, as you mentioned, maybe the product manager, the designers and so on in that session while you're doing event modeling? Do you think that's still, I mean, it's still beneficial, of course, but do you think it still works as well? Or your recommendation well, would be just teach them why it's so great and then really have them involved? Well, it, it's hard to answer this. Uh, well, I do think that if you want to get the most out of this, you must have everyone on board. Uh, mm -hmm. I think we've, uh, well, I, I've personally, uh, had to go to huge lengths to try and deduce some things, etc. And I, I actually did part of the work that uh, wasn't initially mine because mm -hmm. I didn't have the people in the right place to do this. But I was okay mm -hmm. with this. Like it's not like it hurt me or, or what. I really, <laughs> sure. I really love doing that. But uh, but yeah, I think it's it would be uh, very much more beneficial to have everyone on board because mm -hmm. in that case. Uh, everyone understands from the starting point some aspects like 
uh, the importance of the, the language you're going to use, uh, the ubiquitous language, uh, using the same terms and making yourself uh, understood. And I mean, today in our code, we have some places where we use one term and then in the front end, we use another term yeah. because at some point, the front end team didn't really understand everything related mm -hmm. to this and uh, they didn't understand when or where we could switch from one term to another. And they, yeah. they didn't understand really where the domain started and when the domain ended. And so this is the kind of small things that, well, could seem not important at first. Yeah. But, but then it, it comes back to bite it comes you. To haunt you, yeah. Because, <laughs> because uh, someone arrived there and say, okay, I don't understand this. Uh, why here is it saying this and there it's saying that? Okay, well, it's a mistake. It's, and that's actually the small technical debt that you yeah. are going to carry over and that you need mm -hmm. to be careful about. Yeah, I've uh, been in that situation. It's, it's not fun. And the thing, though, that um, sometimes you don't realize is um, that ubiquitous language is very important, especially when it comes to your, your code. Because... As you mentioned, we had this kind of situation as well where we had a name on one of our modules. And so a team was working on that module and another team was working on a different module. And then they decided to tweak that name just slightly. And then the front end came in and they decided to name it something entirely different. <laughs> so when we had um, and we had weekly meetings, so we come back and I'm, I'm talking about this one particular name and... I'm seeing eyebrows raised, people like confused faces and um, they're like, what are you referring to? And I said, I'm referring to this, this thing. And they're like, oh, but the name is this in our module. And I was like, well, why is the name that? <laughs> then we had to go back to the design board and realize where uh, the disconnect was. But then by that point, it might be a little bit too late because um, some uh, modules may be interconnected with, with each other. You Hopefully you don't want them to be very connected to each other. That's why you put them in different modules. But um, in the end, that technical debt might actually uh, become something bigger and bigger as you go and as you develop other modules around it, uh, because then you, you kind of have to think about which naming. And the joke is always within developers is the naming is the hardest thing to do. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Everything else is easy. The naming is the pain that you have to go through. But I think it is important because it makes the difference. and. If somebody else comes in to your team, let's say that the front end person is no longer there or I'm no longer in the team, they have to be able to look at the code base and understand what these names are. Are, are they related? Are they the same thing? Are they completely entirely unrelated? So that's that's important. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, and when you're looking at uh, some UI uh, in your browser, for instance, and that you're starting to work on it, and yet you see like a, a specific field, you're going to see the name of the field that is going to be shown on your screen. And then you want to do some modification about this. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to look up the name that is on the screen. And exactly. if the name that is on the screen is not the name that is in your code, well, you're going to have a bit of a harder time looking it up. Maybe yeah. not that much of a harder time, but still. And this add up, adds up in the end. Exactly. And I think um, what you mentioned is very valuable because going back to having everybody on board, let's say your UI UX designer wants to change something on the UI side, they have to also understand what is the naming that they have to 
be using on on the customer side or the user side or client side, whatever it is, to be able to um, relay that to the back end as well. So it's important to have these conversations and and have um, the understanding. Now, one thing you mentioned that I want to kind of go back and dive a tiny bit deeper into that, which is you mentioned, um, and I have been through other talks that a lot of times people say everybody in the room. So when we say everybody in the room, uh, you talked about the product manager, the product designer. Um, but I'm wondering, would it be helpful to say have the sales team and marketing team, for instance, um, as well in that room? Or do you think, in your opinion, that's not really necessary? Or do we want them there to just basically develop this language with them as well? You do, you do want that answer again. It depends. <laughs> depends. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get this answer several times during this session. Well, it, it, everything depends from what is a product manager in your team, what is a salesperson, etc. Uh, of course, as long as you think that someone has some piece of information about what the business is going to be, then probably he should be in that room because he's the one that maybe is going to work with whatever you're building. Uh, then it means that maybe even your client could be in that room. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say the more the merrier uh, because it, it, you need to maybe at some point not have 200 people in the room uh, because this may be uh, not really... Uh, uh, the best use of your session, yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, you need to to pick and choose the people uh, that will bring value, and you need people from, let's say, all the levels uh, from whatever you're trying to build. So basically, really figure out what who are your stakeholders, yeah, and make sure they are, the are present, and make sure your stakeholders are present. Yeah, very good. Now let's uh, go a little bit more into technical things. So. When going into the session, let's say you have all the important people in this in this room with you um, or on the screen if you're working like me. <laughs> so um, I am. <laughs> how do you very good, How do you then um, model these events and what how do you decide which events are the important ones that go into the system? Because obviously at this point you have your model figured out. Um, you kind of have an idea of what goes into the system, what comes out of it, and so on. But how do you exactly decide which events get to be there? Mm, I'm not sure I understand the question. Okay. So let's say... You're going to to build them, uh, well, you're going Mm -hmm. to define them in your event Mm -hmm. modeling session. Right. So um, let me <laughs> revert that a little bit. Let's say you're going to the event storming part of the event modeling, right? Which is the first step. Let's put all of the events that you think need to need to um, come out of this system or or the important ones. And everybody, each stakeholder comes in, put their sticky notes there, and they say, um, I think this event is important because I'm trying to uh, get this result, basically. Because event is something, is a notification, right? Something in the past. What is the in in my mind? That's the important thing that needs to um, be there in this system, um, or rather, be published by whatever commands that come in. Because we start with that, right? We start with the events first, and you have let's say twenty people. They all write their sticky notes and they put them in there. Out of those twenty sticky notes, let's say which ones then do you decide that actually go 
into the system and are the important ones. And you can say, all right, these 15 go in, these five, well, we can just get rid of them because they're sort of implied in other things or they're not even necessary. Well, I must say I, I haven't done big sessions where it's like a lot of people and a lot of uh, different uh, stickies coming up. Uh, because as I said, most of our work has been done uh, in the engineering team. But what I would say is that you, you're going to take a look at uh, the story that you're going to build around those events once you have uh, defined the commands, etc. And then uh, you're going to see, I guess, the responsibility and the meaning of each event. Uh, I think the the, the, the the core of an event should be one responsibility and maybe even reducing that responsibility to something uh, even, uh, even smaller at some point uh, to make sure that whenever you have an evolution in the future, uh, maybe you want to add a new feature that's going to do only part of something bigger that you wanted to do before. Uh, I don't know, let's say that you could register a new account and to register a new account, you have to give an email, uh, first name, last name, uh, a phone number, et cetera, et cetera. And so maybe you thought, okay, so we want to create an event that is going to be uh, user registered uh, and we're going to put everything in there. But now you want to create um, a, new, uh, a new event uh, because uh, you have a new flow, which is you can create a user from just an email. And that just creates a user and he receives an email right away to validate his process. But you don't need everything right away. So at that point, you're going to have... So either you have your old event and you want to keep that old event uh, because, well, that's your... Uh, user registered event. So you're going to have to uh, modify that event uh, to make some fields that were maybe mandatory to being optional. Or you're going to have to create a new event that is maybe uh, 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 um, initiate registering, registration, maybe something like this. So it depends really after that on what, what you're actually trying to do. This is why discussing things with everyone is important. But this is also why uh, the, the, what you put in your event is quite important. So when, you're, when you go through this, we tend to say, okay, maybe this is the core part of the event that is really important. And this is some additional information. Let's not do one event. Let's do two events with this. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we, we tend to rather split events into smaller grain if we see that it has uh, value over time. I'm really glad you mentioned uh, two things, which was the, one was the responsibility. I really like that word. What is this event responsible for? And two, um, how you can evolve these events, because that's the question that a lot of times we, we get from folks who are event sourcing, because again, events are immutable. You can't really add to them, you can't delete them, so they're going to stay. Now, yeah, I, I see your hand a little going, yeah, maybe, it depends, right? <laughs> so depends. we do talk a lot about event uh, um, evolution, and we'll go back to it a little bit. There are several ways of doing it, but what I really appreciated you saying was um, make them into smaller chunks. 
that are easier to um, define one and also easier to evolve as they the needs of the business change for instance as you were mentioning maybe you don't need an address maybe you just need an email address then you can kind of not publish that event for the address anymore you can just deal with the one that um, has to do with the email address so make them into smaller as small events as possible the other thing is um we we do have actually um, a feature that's coming up this year, uh, which is event transformation, but that's used a little bit for um, different uh, use cases we are talking about. So I want to go back to your, it depends <laughs> on the event evolution. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, in any case, you shouldn't rely on modifying your events, even if it's going to be possible. Uh, it means re rewriting your history. So it it's taking a lot of risks doing so. So as long as you can avoid it, you you probably should be avoiding it. But there are some cases where it's going to be much simpler. However, not everyone should be able to do this. It's not your, your typical developer that is going to say, okay, for this uh, new version, uh, I'm going to change the whole event flow. No, uh, he shouldn't be able to do that. But uh, so this is why I'm saying it depends. It's, we obviously have some cases uh, where it may be needed uh, just to remove some technical depth. Because as you're going to build on events, as you're going to do mistakes while, while building them, because, well, it's a sad thing, but <laughs> I guess you're bound to do some errors at some point. So you're going to work then with upcasters, for instance, uh, to be able to upcast your event to uh, some new event. And maybe you're going to have multiple upcasters, et cetera. And so maybe it's at some point it could become something quite big. Uh, maybe also you're going to have some parts of the code that are going to depend on the value being there or not, uh, because for some reason the model evolves at some point. And all this, well, you can benefit from event transformation at some point to clean up, but this needs to be done like uh, in a perfectly safe environment. And by that, I mean, like, if it's been working up till now with your upcasters, well, why not just apply your upcasters and rewrite the history based on that? But yeah, uh, avoid doing this. And I think what you should, someone should be fo focusing, who wants to work with this should be focusing on is he, he should be making sure that his events are going to be sustainable on the long term. Yeah. So on that note, um, a couple of questions. So what would you say are the best practices when you are building your events or an event for that matter? And then how do you then make sure you're not going to break implementation of another service that is listening to these events? Well, um, the first thing is what I said earlier is uh, make small chunks, make smaller events. Uh, make sure that only one event has the responsibility of doing something specific. Uh, for instance, if at some point someone is interested, uh, I, I don't know, by the, uh, the telephone number uh, of a user, uh, he should be looking at one event. If he needs to look at different events, 
for the number uh, being changed, then it can lead to some hardship. However, it's sometimes interesting to have multiple events uh, to change something if you want to give meaning to what is going to be changed. Like, is it just uh, some correction of that phone number that was an error? Or is the phone number changing? And so in that case, like for instance, let's say you were working uh, with, uh, I don't know, a uh, um, phone number set, uh, let's say, uh, event. And at some point, uh, you allow to change that phone number. And so you create a, a phone number changed event. Now, uh, someone is listening to that phone number set and that phone number change event, and you decide to add a new event, do you want to re you want to add a new action that leads to the number changing? Do you want to reuse that event, uh, which is going to make things easy for anyone who is integrated with that? Or do you want to create a new event uh, that uh, people are going to have to listen to if they want to be uh, consistent with the, the latest value. So this is a question you should be asking yourself. And I know that on our end, we tend to do events as small as possible, maybe with only one field or two fields in it, just with a small responsibility. So that listening to something is, uh, is quite easy, mostly for updates. And generally you have two events to listen to. Uh, the initial event that is uh, that is produced when you do the creation, and uh, uh, another event maybe in the future whenever you want to change that value. But in some case, right at the time that we are um, registering a new aggregate, let's say, uh, and and providing some fields, right at that point we are setting uh, some fields and a separate event just to have this apart from the rest right from the beginning. So this makes things easier for anyone who is uh, who is integrated with this. Yeah, makes sense. Which I, I'll come back to the integration part in just a moment. But uh, one question in between. So now we're focusing a lot on the events, which makes sense because we were event modeling. But uh, these events are published by commands. So do the commands have to basically follow the same rules as the events? Uh, no, they don't actually. Um, the the events are something that is going to be uh, immutable. Uh, although we said that maybe we can in some yeah. specific context, yeah. but let's forget we said that. Um, you can't change it. No, <laughs> no, you can't change it. Uh, it's not the same with commands because commands are not something that is uh, uh, written in stone. Like you, yeah. you can change them. You. Probably when you want to migrate your uh, your system, you're going to keep your old commands, create new commands, wait for everyone to move from your old commands to your new commands, and then you can remove your old commands. So obviously there are still some rules to not break an existing command. Like if you make something mandatory in a command uh, that didn't have a field mandatory, then it's going to break the integration with anyone who's currently working with that command. So you should make sure that uh, they are compatible uh, with anything that is existing. But the thing is with commands, you can create as much commands, as much new commands as you want, uh, because it's easy to then remove the old ones. 
Right, right. Makes sense. So going back into um, the topic of sort of events communicating with various modules, how do you um, define the boundaries between your various modules? And maybe even prior to that, when do you decide to uh, create a new module versus an ad application? Can you make that definition? Let's maybe talk first, what is a module? What is an application? How yeah. do you define the two first? And then um, how do you define then the boundaries within those modules? Well, uh, from our point of view, an application uh, is handling uh, a whole domain, okay? Mm -hmm. or, or it could actually handle multiple. We have the case where, uh, well, our first application was actually handling multiple domains. It was our, our first try, so we did this uh, like that. It was, the let's say, the, the most sound way to start. Uh, with event sourcing, um, and but our latest uh, applications uh, are focusing on a specific domain, and they they are going to contain multiple modules. Generally, we are going to have a command module. Uh, we are going uh, to have maybe some metrics module, uh, sometimes a query module. It really depends uh, what uh, on what we need, and of course, we have an API. A module. So a module, like if we, I'm talking about a, a Java Maven project, uh, it's going to be a, a sub a sub module inside a, inside the the project. So we, you have a parent project, and then you have modules in there, each where they with their different uh, dependencies. And so, uh, yeah, we tend to split modules depending. Well, it's actually still evolving because, well, we've done things some way and then we're seeing the limits uh, of the ways uh, that we use and we have new ideas. So if, if I had to talk about what we currently have is generally we had a, a command module, we had a query module, we had an ops module, an API module and a metrics module. Okay. Um, and in the command module, we would have all the aggregates and all the process managers. Uh, that would handle the business logic. Okay. So this allows us to go inside that module and know that everything related to the business logic is in there. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, the API, uh, the events, the commands uh, are in the specific API module, except those at, that are uh, specifically internal. So things you don't want to expose. Obviously, right. all events are exposed in some way, but from an mm -hmm. API point of view, you, ca you can kind of hide them it doesn't make them inaccessible, but it just tells the user you shouldn't be using these okay. uh, because they, they are- They're just internal. internal. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and one thing that I think <clears throat> we would benefit for, from is, um, is moving uh, the, the process managers into their own module. Mm -hmm. uh, because, well, each module is going to be deployed in a different instance, maybe multiple instances. And so separating the aggregates and the command handling from your process managers um, is a good idea because generally you're going to need different, uh, uh, different performances on each of these. And so you're going to scale them differently uh, depending on the use you have of your application. One other thing that we are mostly parting from is the query module, actually. Not in every project, but in a deep project, let's say, projects that are deeper in our architecture that are not uh, client-facing. 
we are going to not have a query module. We, we initially had one because we were like creating a database and exposing everything through that query module. But then we were, we were like, okay, but if anyone is interested in that domain, shouldn't he be listening to the events rather than mm, doing right. some kind of query? Query, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the query module uh, is not in our latest uh, application. Nice. Uh, we completely removed it. And we're like, well, you're interested in this, listen to the events and build your own projection depending on what you need right. rather than us exposing. So I would say that if we had a query module that remained somewhere, it would be maybe to expose something that is not axon related. Mm -hmm. uh, like maybe you have some metrics that are in an external database. Right, using a third party. Using, yeah, yeah, using third yeah. party. So in this uh, sense, using the queries to access this is a uh, is a good idea because uh, you you use the same technology and you benefit from uh, well uh, the the technology allowing you to uh, uh, to communicate uh, yeah. with, uh, with the database. With the database makes sense, right? Awesome. Um, so we did talk about all of the. Um, business value that, uh, of course, event sourcing and event modeling um, as well, bring into the the picture. So the, the first step is, as you mentioned, you have to understand what the business problem is, which with that, you do have to have a lot of communication with the business side of your um, company project, what have you. Now, if business requirements change, of course, uh, and I, I like that you kind of defined these different modules as, um, so on the command side, you're dealing with business logic. Now, if those change, then I'm assuming the only module you basically have to touch would be, um, in, in this example that you gave, would be your command side. You can just go ahead and make your modifications there and then produce the events that are actually necessary from there on. Um, Anything else that you have to kind of consider when it comes to the business benefits through these processes that we talked about? Um, well, I, I would say it, it's a completely different approach from a, from a classical uh, approach uh, using event sourcing. Um, nowadays, I kind of don't see someone creating an application that he wants to last for many years without using this kind of technology. Uh, it, it, more than, uh, let's say, making some things uh, easier to build uh, and, and go, allowing yourself to go backward in a history, etc. It, it also provides you immense capabilities for decoupling, splitting things. And it actually brings this by design because if you if you don't do that, then it's going to well, you're not going to be able to code anything. You 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 need to decouple things by design. So nowadays, when I'm thinking to a whole architecture, uh, I'm thinking about different modules, and I I think about these carrying event modeling with within them, uh, event sourcing within them. Sorry. Uh, and uh, and then uh, I can completely imagine uh, removing one, replacing it with some other module. It allows you to ease communication 
between uh, everything. And so this, from a business perspective, is, is really interesting because whatever you're going to build uh, is going to bring you value that is going to last in time. And you know that things are always changing in a company. Uh, you are always rerouting your decision, changing strategy. If you build small modules that uh, have a specific responsibility, well, it's actually our case. Uh, we can reuse those modules for some other parts of the application. So uh, this is uh, this is something uh, that, well, you, you're not going to throw something away. You're, well, or if you do, it's because you actually don't need it anymore. So yeah, it's, uh, it's extremely valuable uh, to make sure that your business is sustainable, maintainable, and that you're going to make your platform evolve in time. That's, yeah, that's the that's core awesome. of it. And, and when we talk about business, I'm really happy you talked about sustainability because that's something that um, may not be at the forefront of our decision-making at the time when you're starting to build a system, uh, but it's there um, at all times because obviously you don't want to go back and rewrite everything. And sometimes the systems you're working with are quite old. They're several decades old and... Um, you don't want to throw everything away. You want to build on it or you want to evolve that. And thinking about what to come in the next several years or decade or what have you is, is important because uh, there's a there was a show my kids were watching. They were talking about recycling and we always kind of sing it along as we do. We do. It's kind of like green coding in a way, right? Because yeah. you reuse, <laughs> reduce, recycle. And so you're using this uh, and, and you have this model, which is great because not only the business benefits from uh, less waste, uh, code waste in this case, uh, it's also building a stronger foundation to move forward as you yeah. go in the future and things are changing. Uh, it's funny you're talking about this because I've been using the term uh, green code more and more with uh, <laughs> with my colleagues and I, I, I I didn't hear it like anywhere. It just came up because we, we talk about green things everywhere now, you know. Exactly. Yeah. But it, it's this. It, it it gives you less less code lines. It's it's a bit more complex in some ways, but uh, mm -hmm. all in all, uh, you're going to benefit from it on the long term. And it's really hard to see upfront. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Th there is maybe one thing uh, from let's say more a, a philosophical perspective mm -hmm. uh, that I've learned uh, recently. It's, you know, when I was young, I was always listening to what my, my, my uh, let's say, parents were saying, what the adults were saying, yeah. uh, like, uh, you should do this, you should be careful to that. Now I was like, yeah, you're just old. <laughs> Stop talking You're to just me. Old, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, and nowadays, like, I understand some things like, okay, this is what at some point someone was trying to tell me. And I feel like I've had this same experience with development, you know? Right. <laughs> because at some point, someone tells you, you know, this is very important. And you're like, what? It's going to yeah, take whatever. me so much time, whatever. <laughs> but then you work for a couple of years, then a bit more. And you're like, oh, man, yeah. <laughs> this guy, he was right. You know what they were talking about, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I 
I tend to, I have a small kids, so I tend to compare things with uh, a lot of my uh, experience as, as a parent, as I'm, uh, as I'm going through this journey with them and as they're growing, growing up, it made me laugh so hard when you said when you were a kid and you're, you always laughed at whatever the parents and the adults were saying, because now um, there are times where um, my parents live pretty close by. So we were, we're visiting them and I can see my dad, especially kind of his hand is in front of his mouth and just chuckling as I'm telling <laughs> things to my kids. <laughs> and my mom straight up just comes to me like, Oh, karma. What do they say about karma? <laughs> <laughs> Now you get it. Like, yeah, yes, I'm sorry. It. <laughs> but it's it's also, I mean, it's so useful when it comes to uh, technology as well, because a lot of times we think that, um, you know, with software especially, things change so rapidly. The things that were um, sort of in style, if you would, quote unquote, five years ago are ancient now. You don't even want to talk about it. Yeah. But some things actually uh, do matter and do come back to hunt you or bite you in really uncomfortable places in your code. And so it's, it's yes, you don't think about them in advance, but it's best to at least consider them from maybe the beginning or as you go on, think about, oh, what can happen? What are the edge cases that I may have to deal with um, in the next several years? And so that kind of, I think, makes it easier, especially in distributed systems and uh, various modules to to understand really how you want them to connect and communicate. Well, there is something that has, let's say, never changed in technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the thing that whenever you build something, you want people to be happy with whatever you built. Right. And so if you want this, then you, you will strive to do things always better. Mm-hmm. And well, what is the thing that you need if you want to keep things right on the long term? It's not being the best in that technology or making sure that you use that specific pattern. No, yeah. you want scalability because you're, you want your business to grow. You want maintainability because you, you want to be able to change parts of your system. You want evolvability to, to maybe uh, remove complete parts of your system and change your strategy at some point. You want those things. You want system capabilities. So you need to enable those system capabilities, even if you don't trust that at that moment that you absolutely need this. Well, think a bit about your previous projects, about how hard it was to do some things. And well... If you if you need it, take a leap of faith. You know, yeah, exactly. Trust in your peers, trust and and talk about it. See how people respond to this. Uh, and yeah, I, I can only say go with it because uh, this is what is going to give you maximum capabilities, and then your work is only about having fun. You know. Yeah, having fun is good. Yeah. We always want to have fun, and um, that's why we spend so much time talking about designing, right? Talking about the discovery part of it because we want to go into the coding session because the coding part is probably the easiest part, right? Because hopefully we all know what we're doing and, you know, if you're a great programmer, you can just go ahead and whisk through it. But that design session, the, the, the thought process that has to come first to figure out, okay, how do we want to, um, really go forward with with this uh, business question that we have with the models, how we want to define the boundaries, all of these questions that come uh, in advance, it's best to have some answers to those questions. You you may need to evolve those 
answers later on, as you mentioned, because a lot of times businesses change, our um, requirements change and so on. But it is really important. And that's why we spend so much time talking about modeling, design session, talk to your business side of the company. Don't, as soon as something comes up and say, hey, I'm going to go build this feature. Let's hold, let's push the brakes a little bit and then come back and look at it from different perspectives and see what works best in your team for your use case. Well, I have a, a specific uh, case that happened, which is quite interesting. Uh, I worked with someone for uh, about two years uh, on the uh, on the, the event source projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he's someone really great. I really uh, appreciate him. He's a, he, he, we we became friends, um, and we uh, uh, I taught him, let's say, everything I, I knew about mm-hmm. how to work with event sourcing, etc. And he was the kind of guy who who loved jumping into code. He needed to do things, you know? Yeah. And for two years, each time there was a project, I was like, you did it again, man. You did it again. <laughs> and he knew it. He knew it. He, he, he was saying, yeah, I know. I need to work on that. And, and uh, yeah, he, he had a hard time parting from this. And I just want to stress how important it is because each time he recognized uh, the mistake he had done, uh, and he was saying, yeah, indeed, if, if we had talked about this earlier, then I wouldn't have to had rework, reworked all my code because this is what <laughs> happened in uh, a lot of cases, needing to rework uh, the code. So if you don't want to go into this, if you want to make your uh, sprints or whatever you're using uh, efficient, do that design phase uh, beforehand, make sure that you know where you're going, that you, the terms are defined, that your, I don't know, API is properly defined and that you're okay with whoever is going to interact with it, that this is what they are going to need. Um, also make sure that whenever you're going to create projections, when you're going to expose the data, you're not doing it for you. You're not doing it because you want to show what uh, you save. No, you, you're doing it for someone that needs the data in a yeah. specific way. So do it for him. Don't do it for yourself. Don't mm-hmm. show the data if you don't need to, or if you want to do it for yourself, well, just put it in some uh, dirty database in, a, in some place that only you are going to look at, but don't make that database <laughs> For someone just else. Save it in memory. Yeah, <laughs> just save it in memory and and don't it. bother with anything else. <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. Yeah, the faster is not synonymous with better. So yes, indeed. Take the time. Fantastic, Laurent. Thank you so much for all of this wonderful information and uh, sharing some of your um, pains and gains. I guess yeah. both. I appreciate it. Uh, so you did have a talk during our uh, conference last year. Yeah. And uh, I'll uh, dig it out and see if uh, um, I'm sure I can find it. And I'll uh, link that also to our conversation today so that folks can can go and look at it with some visuals because you had a really great um, visuals in your presentation as well. So um, again, thanks. And uh, I hope to talk to you soon. Have a great day. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. Have a great day. You too. I hope you liked my talk with Laurent. I will share his uh, presentation from our conference last year in the notes of this podcast. Please join me next time for other amazing topics with wonderful guests. Until then, have a great time and happy coding.